Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. Right. Well, hey, good morning. Welcome to Lighthouse. Uh, I promise you I am not a first-time guest uh, or a guest speaker. Uh, my name is Fritz. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, super glad to be with you. Uh, thanks for being here at Lighthouse Community. I want to welcome our other locations at Bluffton Community, Fostoria Community, and then also if you're joining us at Lighthouse Online, so glad that you are with us today. Um, you know, uh, kind of been traveling around this last month uh, with my family, and that's been good, but uh, we are really glad to to be back home and to celebrate things like baptisms, uh, to be with our church family has been really good. And by the way, I don't know if you have heard this uh, yet. Have you heard the news about what's going on in Fostoria community? Have you heard? So uh, literally today, uh, they, ha- they are meeting in their building. They leased a building, and they are meeting there uh, today at 11-11. They're going to be gathering there. Yeah, it's like super exciting. Uh, man, really good stuff is going on there, so pray for them and, uh, and encourage them. And I'll tell you what, you, some here may consider um, that God might lead you to take like a missionary trip to Fostoria and help launch uh, a location over there for, I don't know, six months, maybe a year, something along those lines. Uh, but pray about that and consider that. You know, when I think about what's going on at Fostoria and really across the family of churches, it really does remind me uh, of six years ago. When my family uh, came to Finley and we partnered with a team of about 30 people from Living Hope Church that had a vision to start a different kind of church in Hancock County, uh, a kind of church that had truly opened doors for the gospel. Uh, anybody from any background could come and be a part of that and discover who God is, but also doors that opened the other way of people who went with the gospel, sharing the hope of Jesus Christ with the other pe- uh, others that they come in contact with. And so uh, we started in, in, with that vision and with that hope. And, and I, as I think about the progression of that, right, uh, starting with a team of like 30, and pretty quickly, uh, you know, God grew us to about 100, and then uh, we started leveling at 200 and realized, hey, we probably need a second service, and so we figured out how to launch a second service, um, and we continued to grow, uh, growing past 300, and we started looking at uh, other land and location and things like that, and then March of 2020 hit. Anybody remember what was going on around there? You're like, yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> there's like this groan, oh gosh, uh, yeah, um, that, was, uh, that was a thing, and so, uh, you know, that happened, and that was a little bit of a reset for us as a church family, and so uh, as challenging as that season was, um, it was also a gift for us, because what came out of that is our elders started meeting every Thursday morning for about two to three hours, and we would gather together, gather together to pray, to study scripture, and to just pursue what, like, who, what is God calling us to? And what we did is over the next six months, every single week doing that, is we spent time discovering what has God shaped Lighthouse Community to do? And in the process, we discovered uh, what we call our vision now. We discovered uh, the outcomes from Scripture. We discovered uh, the six values that really shape who we are and what we do. And it's been just absolutely remarkable to see how God has used that going forward. And so out of that season came, uh, you know, it's a tagline, but it's so much more than a tagline, but this tagline of we say yes to Jesus' leadership in our lives. And there's so 
so much behind that when we get to there. And so then in 2020, uh, Bluffton started meeting uh, in a house, and they started to gather uh, more and more people. They outgrew the house. They moved to the mercantile building and launched public services shortly after. Today, uh, about 200 people call that location home. Uh, and then now to think about Fostoria is taking next steps. And something you may not know about Fostoria, but just over the last couple of months, we know of two people who have come to faith in Jesus Christ, and they baptized 10 people, right, over just the last couple of months. So this house church in Fostoria, God is using in clear and remarkable ways. And I think those are the things that you can expect to happen when we're living this lifestyle of saying yes to Jesus' leadership in our lives, right? He just keeps leading and including and inviting more people into that. And so it seemed right uh, with everything that was going on that now is a good time to just like remember and remind one another uh, who it is that we are as a family of churches, as a church family here at Lighthouse and what God has called us to do. And so what I want to do is I want to show you why the phrase, we say yes to Jesus, is so critical and so central to our church family, and, and quite frankly, why it really should shape uh, our individual lives as well. And so if, let me say this. If today, if you miss today, if you kind of just push this off, it's like, oh, Fritz is pushing a tagline, or you know, he's got to do this once a year, or something along those lines. If you miss what we talk about today, what I think happens is you actually start to become really frustrated by some of the decisions that we make as a church family. You get kind of confused on why did they do that and not do this? And, and, and you know, you kind of miss where your place is in the church family. Uh, but I also think if you miss this, what we're talking about today, why we say yes to Jesus is so important, you'll actually miss what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. That's how central this really is. Uh, to our lives and, and following Jesus. But, but, if you get it, if you dial in, if you journey with me over the next few minutes, what I think you're going to discover is you're going to discover a renewed passion and a renewed purpose in following Jesus Christ that has a potential to transform how you live on the daily, right? And so as Heidi mentioned, if you would, open up your Bibles to Matthew 28, or you can click over there on your device. Matthew's the first book in the New Testament. We're going all the way to the end there. We're kicking off this new series called Yes, the God of Mission Has a Church. And so over the next three weeks, what we're talking about is the vision, uh, the outcomes, and the values of uh, our family of churches here. And so super excited to get into this. So we've got this phrase, right? We help people say yes to Jesus' leadership in their lives. And some might be wondering, well, where does that come from? Did you steal that off a bumper sticker? Did you borrow that from another church? Uh, you know, was this late night Chinese? How did you get to we say yes to Jesus' leadership in our lives? Well, you actually find this concept all throughout the scriptures, right? Uh, there are countless. But one passage that was especially meaningful for us as we were kind of discovering this and God was leading us to this is Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 through 20. And so that's what we're going to read. And actually, I'd like to do this. Let's, um, let's read this passage out loud together, whether you're in the house or whether you're joining us at one of the other locations. Let's read this out loud together, beginning with, and Jesus came and said to them, are you ready? Go. And Jesus came and said to them, 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age." Now, if you've been in the church uh, for any amount of time, that's probably a passage you've come across a time or two before. Uh, But there's three big ideas that Jesus really puts in front of his disciples and he puts in front of us. I'm going to share the three with you, but we're really only going to focus in on one for today. And so the three big things that Jesus puts in front of his disciples is that all authority belongs to him, to make disciples of all nations... And then the third one is that I'm always with you, okay? Those are the three really big concepts Jesus put in front. I have all authority, go and make disciples of all nations, and I am always with you. Uh, We're going to zone in on this idea that Jesus has all authority, because he really starts with that, right? He says, listen, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, right? It's mine. It belongs to me. The Father has given it to me. I, I really like the, the way that the Amplified Version kind of expands on this understanding. The Amplified Version puts it this way. I have all authority. I have all power of absolute rule. All power of absolute rule. So it's not like, well, I've got a third of the power along with the Father and the Spirit. I've got 50%. It's not even I've got 99%. It's I have all of it. All of the authority in heaven and earth belongs to me. And you see that when you're kind of going through the Gospels especially, but through the Scriptures in its entirety. You begin to see these different aspects of authority that Jesus has, right? One that comes to mind is I think about his teaching and moral authority, right? He taught like no one else taught, right? He doesn't teach like our normal teachers. He teaches as one who has authority. Um, He's got military authority. When you get to John chapter 18, Jesus says, listen, my kingdom's not of this world, and at a single word, I could have my army come and literally wipe you out if I wanted to, right? But I won't because I've come to accomplish the will of the Father. He's got judicial authority to forgive, right? He is able to forgive people of their sins. He's got spiritual authority over demons, right? He's casting them out. They obey when he speaks. Jesus has physical authority over disease. He's able to heal people literally with a word, Right? He has authority over creation. The waves and the winds obey when he speaks. You even go back to the Old Testament. You look in Isaiah, and it says that upon this one, the government, right, leadership, rests upon his shoulders. So when you look throughout the scriptures, you begin to see that Jesus really does have all of this authority. And the Bible explicitly makes clear across all of it is that Jesus is the highest authority over absolutely everything. He's the highest authority, right? No one else is above him. There's actually a passage in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, that again speak to this idea that Jesus has all the authority. It says, Therefore, 
God has exalted him, highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so again, you see Jesus being exalted to this place that every knee, every tongue is going to bow, is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. And by the way, I love the way that it ends. This brings glory to the Father that Jesus is in this position of authority, right? Well, it kind of begs the question a little bit, why? Why does Jesus get this kind of authority? Why not somebody else? Why isn't it shared? How come Jesus gets this authority? Well, there's many reasons, but I just want to bring out two very quickly. Uh, First one is this. Here's why he gets it. He's God, okay? So uh, when you get to be God, then you can have all authority, right? Uh, But until then, you don't get it, (laughs) right? Uh, By the way, you'll never become God. So Jesus, he's God, so he gets all the authority. That's one reason. But here's a second reason. And, and actually, it's the passages right before the ones we read, right? Uh, chapter uh, Philippians 2, verses 6 through 8, that really describe one of the reasons why Jesus gets all the authority. Because it said this, that Jesus, who, even though he was co-equal with God, he's the same, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he made himself a, anybody know the word? Servant. He made himself a servant. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, right? And so Jesus, even though he's fully God in every sense that the Father is God, in every sense that the Holy Spirit is God, he actually submitted himself. He humbled himself to the will and the plan of the Father that he would bear our sins for us, in our place, as a substitute, right? He stepped into that in obedience to the Father. And what's really important about this is that Jesus said yes to the Father's plan when every other one of us would have said no. Jesus is the only one who said yes to the Father's plan when every other one of us would have said no. It's too much. I can't do it. You're asking too much of me, God. This is one of the other reasons that Jesus gets all authority. He can be trusted with it, right? Because he knows. He knows how to submit to the Father's plan. He knows how to live out of obedience to the glory of the Father and the Spirit, right? And so Jesus has all authority. And what that means is Jesus is in charge, Right? He's got all the power of all the absolute authority. He's in charge. It means he's the boss. He's the manager. He's king. He's el presidente. Right? He, he is over all of that. And, and we're kind of like, we're good with that until you start to think and realize and go, oh, well, if Jesus is in charge, then that means that I'm not. That is probably the most threatening part of the whole thing. Right? Jesus is in charge, which means I am not. That's the rub. That's the real rub between Jesus as king, right? That's the real threatening piece behind all of that. And in fact, here's, here's what I want to pull back for you. This idea of Jesus being in charge, saying yes to Jesus' leadership in your life, that's actually the core work 
of being a follower of Jesus. That's the core work of disciple-making. That's the core piece of discipleship, is actually learning how to say yes to Jesus' leadership, right? See, a lot of us, we go, oh, well, discipleship, disciple-making, that's reading your Bible. Yes, you should do that. Well, it's praying, yes. It's serving others, yes. It's worshiping, yes. It's giving. It's sharing the gospel with other people. It's gathering with other disciples. That's what discipleship is. Yes, it is, but you need to know those are all means. Those are pathways to coming under the leadership of Jesus Christ. Why do we read the scriptures? So that we can know what Jesus says. Why do we pray? So we can come in alignment with his will. Why do we gather with other disciples? Because following Jesus in a world that puts you first is really hard sometimes, and we need encouragement and prayer from one another. Why do we worship? Because it puts us in a place of submission underneath of the Father. Do you see that all of the things we do are actually means to coming under the authority of Jesus? They're not the end in and of themselves. See, some, some have the mistake, I read my Bible. I did what I need to do today. I can go now do whatever I want. But actually, it's, I read the scriptures today so I could know the character of God and live under his leadership for the rest of the day, right? Because this day is his. I'm his creation, right? Because God has always desired a people who would trust him for everything, He's always desired a people who would rely on him for everything, who, who would trust his guidance and his direction and his care. This is what God has always wanted. And, but we struggle with this, right? This is our primary struggle. Why? Why is this our primary struggle? Well, because we want authority too, right? We, we want authority. Now, you and I, we, don't, we might not necessarily want all of the authority, right? Some of you do, and you scare me, but you know, right? But we don't want all of the authority, but what we really want is we really just want authority over our own lives. I want to do what I want, when I want, how I want, with whoever I want. That's all I really want, God. Is that too much to ask? I just want authority over my life. And that's why we struggle with this concept of Jesus being the leader over our lives. By the way, that's the definition of sin, right? The hallmark of sin, yeah, like we lie and we hurt each other and, and we do things that are, that are not good, but the core of that is the fact that we want to be in charge of our own lives. Self-leadership, right? Living life under my own power, under my own authority, without God. That's really the core of what sin is. When you, when you pull everything away, all the manifestations and, and the fruit of sin, that little nugget, it's self-leadership. It's depending on me instead of depending on God. And you've got to know that our, um, our sinful state without the Holy Spirit, where our bent is towards, is this. We actually resist humility and we resist obedience. Let me say it again, that's very important. Our sinful state without the Holy Spirit is to resist humility and to resist obedience. What we're drawn to is pride and self-authority, okay? And so 
I remember for me, before, uh, before Jesus saved me, I was my biggest barrier to following God, right? Like, I lived life on my terms. And, and there was some situations that happened in my life that really taught me and, spo- and, and instilled a principle in me that said, Fritz, the only person you can ever really count on in your life is you. You can't count on your family. You can't count on your friends. You can't count on your community. No one else. The only person you can ever really trust is you. No one else gets that level of trust. And so that was ingrained in me at a very early age. And then I met Jesus, and he saved me, and he started changing me, he started transforming me, and I began to see very quickly, oh, he's calling me to a totally different paradigm, a totally different way of living than what I had thought living was about. I had assumed living was about me doing the best I could, trusting myself, and Jesus has invited me to a whole different thing, Right? totally different. And so I was the biggest barrier to me following Jesus. Do you know what my biggest barrier today is when it comes to saying yes to Jesus? It's still me, all right? <laughs> I've been following him now for like 24 years. We did the math this Thursday. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's like, I'm still the biggest barrier. I'm still the one that still gets in the way of going, I want to do what I want to do instead of what you want me to do, God, Right? And every one of us battle with that thing. And I'll tell you, I can identify. When you start to realize that, you start to go like, I identify with Paul in Romans 7.21 when he writes, so this is the principle I've discovered. When I want to do good, evil's right there with me. I desperately want to follow Jesus Christ, you guys, with everything inside of me. And as I'm engaged in that, right there with me, my sin staring me in the face, going, you know, you were in charge. You know what you could really do? We could really have fun, you know? Like, this, this is the battle that I battle with. This is the battle that you battle with. This is the essence of what it is to, to be saved, to follow Jesus. Uh, 20th century author A.W. Pink has this wonderful quote that I think helps us to understand a little bit more what salvation is. He writes this. He says, to be saved from sins is to be saved from ignoring and despising the authority of God. It is to abandon the course of self-will and self-pleasing. It is to forsake our way. It is to surrender to God's authority, to yield to his dominion, to give ourselves over to be ruled by him. To give ourselves over to be ruled by him. That is the essence of salvation. That is what we are being set free from. And so rescue from sin is actually rescue from from you. It's rescue from your dreams. It's rescue from your desires. It's rescue from your plans. It's rescue from your will and your intentions. And so you've got to begin to see that when you begin to see the dominoes following behind that, that your battle with sin, right, your battle really isn't against other people. Your battle's not really against pornography. It's not against alcohol. It's not against greed. It's not against lust. It's not against gossip. Your battle's actually not. Yes, those are the manifestations of sin, and that's how it's playing out. But the battle that you're really engaged in is the battle in your self-centered heart. That's the real battle that you're fighting with. And what we'll do sometimes is we'll actually spend all this time on the external fighting, right, the the outflow of sin, the manifestation of sin, because it keeps us avoiding the real core of it. 
because that's a scary place to go, right? That's because as you begin to follow Jesus and the Holy Spirit, he begins to uncover new levels of depth in your sin that you didn't even realize was there, right? Like I said, I've been following Jesus for like almost two and a half decades. And I'll tell you what, the not cussing and the not drinking and the not like chasing girl, like that was the easy stuff, right? Like the, the places that the Spirit is leading me now and the depths of how deep my sin really runs inside of me is, is amazing. And, it, and every day it puts me in awe that Jesus already knew that before I did, and he still invites me to walk with him. He still invites me, right, by his grace to be transformed and, and made new, right? And so the battlefield is your heart. And so disciple-making and discipleship actually is way more about resisting your own will and learning to say yes to Jesus' will and God's will and putting faith in him instead of yourself. And so what I would encourage you is this, is right? It's like, let's say yes to Jesus. Let's say yes to his leadership over our lives. By the way, it's what you're created for. It's what I was created for. It's why we were redeemed. It's what we do here at Lighthouse Community. We want to help you do that. I want you to help me do that, right? So the question is, well, how do you do that? How do you say yes to Jesus' leadership in your life? Well, I think there's three big rocks, uh, and we'll just go through them really quickly. Uh, that kind of helps you get started on this. The first big rock is this. Saying yes to Jesus is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. You got, that's where it starts. You have to know that, right? Because our natural bent is towards ourselves. Our natural bent is towards uh, pride and, and towards self-leadership. And so the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, he's going to do this. He's going to open your eyes to the reality of who you really are, right? The reality of your true condition, um, separated from God, all of those things. So the Holy Spirit's going to open up your eyes, and then he's going to actually humble you in the process. Because when you see that with clarity, it's like, oh my goodness, I didn't know that's who I really was. But I can see it so clearly now. And then when he humbles you, he actually empowers you to choose faith in Jesus Christ, right? Like you begin to see Jesus in new clarity like you've never understood before. Actually, for some here today, some joining us other locations, that's happening for you right now, right? You're beginning to see yourself in a whole new light that you'd never realized before. That's the Holy Spirit at work in you, right? And he's drawing you to the true solution, which is Jesus, right? So that's that first big rock. Super, it's a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. So pray for it. Ask for it. Ask him to do that in your life. Here's the second big rock. Once you say yes to Jesus for the first time in your life, you have to realize it is just a whole lifetime, a series of yeses from here on out, right? And that's, that's what living with Jesus actually is. And so you're actually engaged, the second big rock is this, you're actually engaged in unending repentance, right? Unending, continual repentance. Some of you guys remember repenting once in 1993 and you never did it again, right? Uh, it's like, no, this is, you do this all the time, every day, right? You're just living in that world because the Holy Spirit does uncover new depths of self-centeredness, right? He begins to show areas that were blind spots for you. So what do you do? You realize it. It's humbling. It's humbling when that stuff comes up. But you confess. You ask for forgiveness. But here's the key. You now ask for transformation, 
You ask the Holy Spirit to transform your life. I don't want to live under self-leadership anymore. I want to live under yours. Will you transform my heart? Will you transform my mind so I can walk with you? And then it's a cycle for the whole rest of your life, realizing where you're saying no and switching to saying yes instead. A very small example. So a few weeks ago... um, Christina, my wife and I, we celebrated 20 years of being uh, married to each other. I celebrated. I think she just realized it, uh, you know, and kind of like, oh, really? Uh, no, <laughs> just kidding. But uh, as, as I was reflecting over the last 20 years um, of everything that we had gone through and, and different experience we've had, uh, and I was just praying a, a prayer of thanksgiving to the Lord, there was a moment where the Holy Spirit opened up my eyes, and he opened up my eyes to this. That overwhelmingly, now not all the time, not you know 100% of the time, but overwhelmingly, the majority, I had approached our marriage for the previous 20 years with this question, what will this marriage give me? Right? So for the last two decades, overwhelmingly, I've approached my marriage with the question, what will this marriage give to me? What will this marriage provide for me? And I realized that that was wrong, right? It was very humbling when the Holy Spirit reveals a blind spot you've had for 20 years, right? And so I confessed that, and, and I asked for repentance. You know, I repented. I asked God to forgive me and to transform that. And so one of the things I did, I confessed it to the Lord, but then I also confessed it to Christina, right? And so I wrote her, I wrote her a letter in the process. She's a, she's a writer, and uh, so I wrote her uh, a little note uh, kind of a, expressing this, saying, hey, I just realized, and I'm sorry for this, that I've spent the last 20 years of our marriage really asking the question, what will this marriage give to me? And I said, my intentions are, I was going to write the next 20 years, because I don't know how long I'm going to last, but, uh, you know, in this life, not with her, but, yeah, like, but uh, I figured not probably to do it for the rest of my life. Uh, so, but for the rest of our marriage, I want to ask the question, do you want what I have to offer you? And that's how I want to live the rest of my marriage. Not asking, what am I going to receive? What am I going to get? But rather, Christina, do you want what I have to offer you? And so now, the Lord, over the last few weeks, has taken me on this new journey of servanthood. This new journey of finding uh, specific, intentional ways to serve her, right? That, that is a small glimpse into unending repentance, continual repentance, right? And so you've got to engage the battlefield of your heart. And what that looks like is repentance, it's, it's repentance. It's a realization. It looks different for all of us, right? For me, I, I had to do that in my marriage. But for, right, for like parents of adult children, some of what you need to do is you actually need to repent of trying to control your adult kids' lives, right? You need to give that up because you want them to trust Jesus more than you want them to trust you, right? Uh, others who, uh, you know, like your battle is greed, you've got to repent of thinking what you can provide for yourself is better than what Jesus has for you. That's what, you know, like those who've been playing church for the last couple decades, you need to repent of the idea that you can actually save yourself. You can bring something that matches the gift that God's given you. You need to repent of that, right? It's different for all of us and different in seasons of life, but you're always continually repenting, um, realizing what the Spirit is doing in your life. Now, here's the third big rock, and it's a bit of a bold statement, uh, but I'll stand behind it. Uh, This one, I will wrestle you to the ground. I will fight you over this one, okay? (laughs) I'll fight you over the rest of them, but especially this one. Here's the last bold statement, the third big rock. It is not possible to increase in saying yes to Jesus without the Bible, without prayer, and without other growing disciples. Let me say that again. It's critically important. It is impossible to increase 
in growing to say yes to Jesus' leadership in your life without the Bible, without prayer, and without other growing disciples in your life, right? Some of you are stuck, and you don't know why, right? Like, I'm coming to, I'm coming to church. I changed babies in the nursery. I'm doing stuff, man. And God should, well, here's, here's the issue. It's not about matching God dollar for dollar on his gift. You can't do it anyways, right? In Matthew 28, Jesus actually revealed not only the command of disciple-making, but actually how it goes. What did he say? He said, go and make disciples, and then he explains the whole thing. He says, after they've said yes to, you know, they've, come, they've put their faith in, we would say yes, saying yes to Jesus, you're going to baptize them, right? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So what does he do? He names the original community, the Trinity, that has always existed before time and space, before any of us showed up. You're going to baptize them into the community, with the community. He's talking about other growing disciples. And then he says, you're going to teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Where do you find that? In the Bible. Right? So you're going to read and you're going to reflect on the scriptures. And then he ends with this. And remember, I will be with you always. My presence will go with you. What's he talking about? He's talking about the spirit and he's talking about prayer. And so right in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Jesus exposes the pathway of disciple-making, community, Bible, prayer, and the Holy Spirit, right? right there. And that's why I say it is impossible to grow in obedience to Jesus without Scripture, without prayer, and without other growing disciples. And so listen, God is inviting you. He's inviting you, follow me, know me, walk with me, say yes. Jump in the water, it's really great, all right? All of those things. So, so say yes. Let me encourage you to say yes. A couple of next steps you might consider this week. Uh, for some, actually, your next step is going to be just simply saying yes to Jesus for the very first time. You've never said yes to him, um, and, and today's the day, right? You sense him inviting you. You sense him calling you. Uh, and so your, your job is simply to respond and say yes by faith and yes in obedience to uh, him for the first time for the rest of your life, right? We call that the first yes. But for others, it's going to be saying yes again. Because what you've done is you've resisted and stiff-armed things like scripture and prayer and community with other disciples. And so uh, it's, it's time to say yes to reading and reflecting on scripture, spending time in prayer, um, joining a small group here in the fall, or engaging with other uh, disciples uh, in your life, right? Uh, here, here's a big one. Some of us, well, not some of us, actually I would say this, most of us have actually never been intentionally discipled in our life. And it's actually time for you to ask a believer who's a little bit further ahead of you to disciple you. And what I mean by that, not sit in a large group setting and hear teaching from the front where you can't ask questions and, and ponder the things, but actually to sit across the table from somebody that you know who loves you, who's praying for you, and is, maybe they're not going to be your answer man, but they're at least going to walk with you through everything, right? It's time to engage in that, right? To ask another believer to disciple you. That was a big game changer for me in my walk for Christ. And then the last thing is this. Others, it's time to go and make disciples. You've been hanging out, right? Loving what's going on here. And that's fine. What we do here is great. But you got to know there is a county with over 50,000 people living in it. We're in it right now, right? Hancock County. 50,000 people without Jesus. 
it's time to go, right? It's time to go. And so maybe in the fall, it means you co-leading a small group and you invite your friends and your neighbors who don't go anywhere. Uh, maybe it's, maybe it's uh, the end of this month, we're doing a serving Saturday where we head out into our city and we just simply try to share the gospel in a lot of different ways, through prayer, through kindness, and through conversations. And so it might be doing something along those lines. But those are a few next steps I would consider or encourage you to consider taking uh, this week, right? And let me know. Those are all on your connection card. Um, I would love to know because some of those you might want some information and we can help you take that next step. Uh, Some of those I would love to be able to pray with you and for you as you're taking that next step. So uh, let us know and uh, on your card and, and return that back to us. So, so I already had mentioned that um, last month, Christina and I celebrated 20 years of marriage. Um, I think she said that three of them, we were happy. So, uh, <laughs> but um, as I was thinking about that, right, my, my mind, my mind is just flooded with moments. Um, you know, the love, the passion, the arguing, the debating, the frustration, the hurt, the heartache, the depth. And I was thinking about the fact that um, I have a relationship with Christina that is unlike any other relationship with any other human that I have in this world, right? It is different from the relationship with my kids. It's different than my relationship with my parents. It's different than my relationship with my friends, uh, my sisters, right? All of that. That is the unique relationship that I share with only her, right? And I started going, why is that? Do you know why I have that unique relationship with just Christina? Because on Saturday, July 27th, 2002, I said yes to Christina. And I said yes to only Christina in the process. And in saying yes to her, what I did was I actually said no to absolutely everybody else. You're lost, by the way. Uh, (laughs) But I said yes to her in a way that I would never say yes to another, I never intended to say yes to another person, right? Do Do you see what I'm saying? You see where I'm going with this? This is, this is a poor analogy for the yes that we say to Jesus, right? The yes we say to Jesus inherently is a no to all of the other idols, is a no to all of the other desires, is a no to all of the other plans, all of the other intentions, all of the other, right, wills that are out there. I say yes to him, which is exclusive yes to him, and a no to everything else. But the thing is, when you say yes to him, you get him. And you get all of him. And so I want to encourage you, say yes to Jesus. And if you want him, come and get him. I want to invite you to bow your heads, to close your eyes. And I want you to ask this question, Jesus, what are you saying to me right now? And I just want you to listen to him for a moment. What's he saying to you?
A yes to Jesus is one of the greatest yeses you'll ever express. There's so much joy in it. There's so much fulfillment. He's so good. He's kind and merciful. He's loving. Yes, he's powerful. And he can't stand sin. But it's why he gives you his Holy Spirit. Empowering you and transforming you, changing you, right? It's remarkable. The generosity of this God of ours. And so for some, you, you just need to say yes for the very first time in your life. You've never done it. Maybe you're in one of our other locations. You've never said yes to him. Today may be your day to say yes by faith. Not by effort, not by work, but yes. Believing that what he says is true. That if he says he'll forgive you, he will. That if he says he'll change you, he will. That if he says he has a reward waiting for you and for all of eternity, that he does have that waiting for you. It's yes to all those things. And so I don't know what your yes is today in a room this size and people across the county. But what I do know is this, is at Lighthouse Community, we really love praying with you and for you. And so here's what's going to happen. The band's going to come up. They're going to sing one more song. And during this last song, we're actually going to have prayer leaders who are available uh, around the room. We'll actually have one in each corner of the room, one up here by the cross, one by the tank, one back by the double doors, and one by the sound booth. And if you'd like to pray about any area of your life, we would love, it would be, it would be my joy and privilege to pray with you about anything in your life. And so take advantage of that, right? We've got a song. It's probably going to last about three or four minutes, so don't wait too long. Because um, then we'll never pray for you again, right? No, <laughs> just kidding. We will. But let me pray for you, and then I want to invite you to come as well. Holy Spirit, I pray that you and you alone, nothing else, not guilt, not compulsion, not, not none of that, but your spirit alone would draw people who have a desire to pray, everyone who needs to pray, right now, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.